things that are so popular today are things 10 years ago, 20 years ago, our parents told us not to do. Don't get in a car with a stranger. Don't stay at a stranger's house. And now you have Airbnb, Uber, and Lyft, and they've just changed the game. Welcome back to Off the Top Podcast. Today, you'll be hanging out with Jordan and I as we go into the recent strikes with Uber and Lyft and uh, Uber's IPO. Jordan, how are you doing? I'm good, man. Something that is interesting that you brought up is how, you know, things that we do now super commonly are things that, you know, were looked at as like very, very dangerous back in the day. And I 100% agree with that. And the fact that, you know, it's so ubiquitous to like Uber and Lyft are household names, literally, as far as like is like developed countries, I would think you'd be hard pressed to find a country that doesn't know about these, regardless if it's in the country or not. They are truly like, you know, a household name. People know them. Exactly. And Uber and Lyft, um, if you aren't familiar with them, um, essentially at the bare bones of it is a, a software platform company. And by that, I mean, Uber is a, is a plat, an app, a platform that gave the ability to boost jobs or transportation in what we would call a gig economy. So you don't have to essentially be hired as Uber to drive or Lyft to drive. You're not an employee of Uber or Lyft to a certain extent. But if you have a vehicle that is of a certain year, you know, and you have the insurance to go with it and get everything checked out and certified, you can get your Uber or Lyft medallions and put them in your window and get people rides to the airport or, you know, drive drunk people home or transport around the city. Essentially, knocking out the long-lasting taxi industry and really taking a hold of the game. Yeah, pretty much that's that's kind of a good summarization of Uber and Lyft. And then on top of that, if you've ever been in a Lyft or an Uber, do you ever wonder like truly how much do they make as basically kind of like more tech tech driven uh, and more freelance cab drivers? themselves like you know what everybody can drive or not no i can't say everybody but a majority of people can drive it's not super high skilled and labor but in the same essence it has to be worth their time to do it so where is that medium where is that moment of you know like how much do you get paid and how much is it worth and often i mean i think everyone has done this i mean i haven't done this but i've been in the car with people who talk to the uber drivers um or your lyft drivers and i'm sure if you drive for uber or lyft and are listening to this you've heard this question before oh how long you've been doing this for oh how long have you been driving today how long you know do you typically drive what is your usual route what are these cookie cutter questions that I'm being asked. And it's asked all the time. And at this point with the growth of Uber and Lyft um, and then introducing platforms like Uber Eats, um, there's so much more availability to pick up this gig um, for some people. For some people, it's a full-time job where as you get more and more serious about it and it gets more and more competitive with more and more people entering the industry, you have to figure out when companies like Uber um, are, you know, dropping their IPO and are valued at around $80 billion with a B, 
Like, am I being paid fairly for the services I'm providing? Yeah, exactly. And so just to kind of start uh, on a very, very solid foundation, basically Uber specifically started by um, gaining like their drivers were mostly like professional black car like companies or like taxi cab drivers. And so, for instance, there was this young man called Ender Parmar. And he was basically a black cab driver or black car driver. And then if since 26, uh, 206, so 2006 and in 2013, he switched to Uber and started making $37 an hour. So obviously excellent. But as basically as things progressed and more drivers got into the game today, he makes $9.18 an hour compared to that 37 A drastic shift. And as Jordan alluded to, as Uber lives in Lyft and these rideshare companies live in this gig economy and it becomes more accessible, if you're listening right now, you could turn on, you know, you go through all these, these steps and processes to drive for Uber and you can flip that switch at any time whenever it's convenient for you. So some people, you know, who live may live outside of large metropolitan areas when they're driving into the city may flip that on, pick up a ride and, you know, take a ride to the city or, you know, take one of the carpools to the city. So as you can see that, that person by flipping on their switch and bringing another person, you know, taking a ride, could be taking a ride from people who are doing it from a full-time job. And then, you know, that makes things more competitive where you're going down to that $9 an hour if you're really getting after it um, and you're not getting any benefits or, you know, job security um, or livable wages from what Uber and Lyft are providing at this moment. So, Julian, I want to hear from your perspective. Do you think that Uber and Lyft are and should be things that you can do for a full time living? Or do you think that it's only best for people to supplement their income with, you know, being a being a driver for these companies? So I think I think that's a two part question. I think you can be a full time employee for Uber and Lyft. And I'm sure there's full time employees out there that are working 50, 60 hours a week doing those, these ride shares who drive for both Uber and Lyft. And I think that historical evidence is the taxi industry itself, right? There's full-time taxi drivers. People have been doing it as a job. They're employees. They have benefits in some of those companies. So I think it's doable. And I think that's where Uber falls into its problem, where it needs to figure out, you know, for the strike that is going on, right? Dri drivers are unhappy with what they're being paid with the job and the conditions that you have to make some sort of line in the sand that says, okay, you are actually, you know, what we'd consider a driver. You're putting in X amount of hours a week. You're doing this as a full-time gig. You need to make a living to on my end, right? I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit. I've never driven for Uber, but you know, the, the college kid who's driving four hours a week um, and isn't putting in the time or, you know, the effort to actually go out and, you know, make more of a difference shouldn't be getting paid the same as someone who's maybe a, you know, a parent who works a full time job and is working nights to make more money for their family. I think there has to be a difference there if that answers the question. So I guess my next question to that is and I mean, that makes 
I can understand the logic. Absolutely. But why, like, you know, how, how is it going to be merit based or is it not? Is it going to be on like the person's, the driver's condition based or like how good the driver is or just that they are like somebody who is 37 who has a family compared to somebody who's six or I'm, I'm sure 18 and, um, just picks it up on the regular, like, you know, how, how do you, is there going to be a difference in like merit or would that affect pay? Do you think? I'm not sure how Uber is looking at it, but I think Uber already has its standards, right? Like if you dip below a certain rating, then you can no longer drive. And I think, you know, with the way that they gather evidence and or data on their drivers and the routes being taken and factoring in surge pricing that they could look at something like, you know, I've been in an Uber Lyft, if I'm going to be honest, less than 15 times um, in my life or as long as it's been around. But I've noticed, you know, when I go to big cities, I see Uber drivers who have 15,000 rides. I think there's enough data to show you there like, okay, it looks like this driver is, you know, driving over 40 hours a week and doing X and Y you know, whatever they've to serve these requirements and say, okay, you deserve benefits. You deserve this or, you know, these conditions as opposed to, you know, little Jimmy down the block who has, you know, maybe a hundred rides um, and is doing his, you know, his convenience or at his convenience, which, you know, part of the gig economy is. Um, I think, you know, if you're to do this fairly, and make it so, you know, you don't you know, make it too competitive or so to speak, or, you know, I really don't have the answers that, you know, there is some merit because someone working 40 hours a week um, getting benefits as opposed to someone working two hours a week and getting benefits, um, you know, probably isn't the greatest business model. And as a driver, you know, wouldn't incentivize you um, if you're being the paid the same in this gig economy to, you know, go the extra mile if you aren't being paid, you know, to support that, so to speak, or maybe a higher commission. I don't know. Okay. No, I get it for sure. And I want to play devil's advocate with you in this specific instance where, um, so right now, Uber and Lyft, how they get their drivers, for those of you who don't know, is they contract them out so that they're independent contractors working for Uber and they get paid for the amount of work done during the contract, aka, you know, the the amount of time uh, driving somebody. So they wouldn't get paid when they're not driving. And I think that that delineation is very important because, especially when like Uber is so flexible, and you can, you know, you could pick up and start working at one thirty in the morning relative to like, you know, normal, normal full-time jobs, you'd probably do it, you know, around the block of like, you know, go, you go in in the morning and then leave sometime in the evening. And I think that the reason that, uh, you know, that would be a good thing to keep it as contracted work is because it's kind of like the utility for the users in the end. So imagine if Uber, uh, started, you know, giving their making them employees instead of contractors, they would have to go through a vetting process as far as like, you know, some sort of application online. So it wouldn't be as smooth and as quick. So once your city got applied or like, you know, got approved to be like in Uber city, then they would have to start hiring people to be Uber drivers. And so then off of that, 
it would just be kind of like a slower a slower thing and less dynamic uh of a product and i think that would you know intensely hurt them and so that's why i think you know and if it hurts uber itself then the prices will rise to kind of like keep their profit margin the same and keep everything kind of like them afloat thus hurting us in the end like the actual consumers of it so i think that as far as it goes i'm not opposed to how they do it as far as contracting goes but i'd be curious to see how we can make it a little bit better for these people where the sir if they are getting the income on the surveys which in some cases truly is median pay i think comes out to be about like eight dollars and change or even i've heard of like after expenses seven dollars an hour which is i would think below you know below what would be acceptable as a driver yeah yeah i agree and i i think the thing too is like the the strike itself a lot of it is for the inequality and pay and conditions and 50 percent of the time you know these ubers don't have anyone in their cars. They're just sitting around waiting, driving around town. And there's a lot of, you know, some people have foregone or forego a ton of fees, like maybe upgrading their vehicle or, you know, getting it the interior detailed all the time and things like that. And I think there's a lot of variables that people have to figure out where I think what you just said there with them being independent contractors is I is one of the things they also have to to realize. I mean, I, I do think what Uber and Lyft are paying their drivers is, you know, I want to say criminal, but it it is frowned upon. But at the same time, I think you have to understand as a driver that you are an independent contractor and as competitive a space as it is and you're sitting in your car 50% of the time not actually doing any work um, where some of, you know, where that some pushback is occurring with, you know, the most interesting thing being that Uber's never turned a profit at the corporate level. They make huge margins on their drivers, right? But they take a large percentage of that and put it back into investing or into autonomous driving testing and things like that, where, um, you know, they're, they could turn a profit, but they're putting it in other areas. And I think that's what's, you know, when you see a company that gets valued at $80 billion and you are one of the drivers who is driving all the time and you're only getting paid $8 and some change, maybe $9, um, where it could affect you. I think we're in the same line of thought where it's at this point, I'm what I'm really curious to see and what I kind of want to like brainstorm is how is Uber going to retain drivers? If it's going to be kind of hard for them to increase the wage of drivers, even though you said, as you said, and I haven't checked this, but you said that they have make huge profit margins on the end of, you know, their actual operations side. So like as people drive, the fees that they incur or like, you know, gain or charge the drivers when they drop off, pick up and stuff like that is a large, obviously it's their, it's their business. It's their business profile and that's how they make money. And I'm curious to see like, what are the other things that they could do to attract drivers or, and to retain drivers as well? I think it truly will be a thing of, you know, there, there's going to be a happy medium where, There'll be certain amount of drivers in the market to make it so that, you know, that people are getting the drivers are going to get a decent 
wage for the amount of they work. But being that there's so many drivers right now, I think that's what's pushing the price down. Yeah. And to, to Jordan's point, like where they're making their money is, right, you go on an Uber trip and say it's, you know, 20 bucks and it takes you, I don't know, 20 minutes. I don't know how the prices work on Uber, but say that's the price. What Jordan and I have just explained is that that 20 minutes, your driver is actually coming out to like $8 an hour. So maybe they do six or seven rides in that time. Though, you know, those totals show on, you know, your receipt, $20, $15, $8, and that totals up for that hour. That driver's really taken home, you know, nine bucks or plus commission or however they're paid, incentivized, that you can see where it gets tiresome and unfair on the driver's end um, affecting them. Jordan, if you were looking at this market, of uh, this gig economy of Uber and Lyft, where do you think, you know, what do you think a solution would be um, in this instance? Um, good question. So I think a solution, <clears throat> sorry, I think a solution would have to come from kind of the balancing of the influx of people going in. One thing that I don't see happening is Uber or Lyft, especially since they're kind of, I mean, obviously Uber's a lot bigger than Lyft, but in some markets that they are kind of like too combating. And there's obviously other like gig economy, like ride sharing apps. I think that it it won't be the case that they raise their prices to pay their drivers and like, you know, an excessive amount, unfortunately. So I don't see that the drivers are going to get like a large amount more of money, but I do see them probably adjusting in some sense, like maybe even um, maybe even adjusting as far as like, you know, accounting for depreciation of the vehicles, fuel costs, uh, things of that nature, possibly teaming up with like, I don't know, uh, like Jiffy Lube to like help maintain the vehicles of uh, Uber contractors. And maybe that would be a way to kind of like uh, subsidize the costs in in basically essentially increasing the wage of these people but those are just creative problem solving you know things i'm not 100 percent sure that they are going to you know markedly increase the rates they probably are going to be a little bit or even like lower there so i think right now they take 10 percent of the entire fare uber does so for instance that 20 dollar ride they'll take two dollars from it but um yeah, they might decrease that a little bit, but I'm not exactly sure if there's going to be like an action besides like taking less from these people or making it easy, like less expensive to do it for them. Yeah, I agree. It's a, there's a lot of, um, you know, variable costs that go into being a, a driver, um, especially with your vehicle and the amount of miles you can be putting on it or, you know, essentially the other thing is every second you're on the road, the more likely you are to be in an accident, right? Um, and things of that nature that isn't covered or, you know, maybe that's some of the things stemming from the conditions of the job uh, that, you know, the strike is standing for in the select cities and big market cities where people are turning off these rideshare apps. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens, especially just as like Uber has just released their their IPO over the past uh, day or so here. Uh, or past couple of days here. So I don't think Uber's going anywhere. I don't think Lyft's going anywhere. 
Um, and I think, you know, the people that are kind of striking are the ones are, that are in the right. I think those are the full-time drivers, the ones who are doing it as a, an actual job, um, as opposed to those who are just doing it, you know, kind of the way it was presented as a kind of a small gig, you know, hey, I'm going here A to B, you know, I could drive around for a couple hours. You know, I have a full-time gig, but I'm doing this on the side. I don't think those people are too up in arms about it. I think it's, you know, the full-time, the full-time position. And I think it's going to take a little bit to figure out what that balance is. um, Because as you're alluding to, as competitive the market is, and, you know, retention of drivers, at the same instance, if, you know, a full-time driver leaves, it just gives some of these side people a little bit more opportunity to pick up some more hours. So it's a, a delicate balance to, you know, keeping your drivers and your respected drivers and not, you know, having an influx of people who aren't taking it 100% seriously um, and, and driving around civilians. I think essentially it comes down to the aspect that, you know, for complicated problems, you're it's hard to find, you know, simple solutions. So it's probably going to be an amalgamation of a lot of things that kind of resolve this problem or, you know, try to resolve it essentially. And, you know, I think that it'll be very interesting to see how they kind of go about this here on out. Like, how do they react to this? How how are they going to like adjust to this? And if any of you guys thought of something that we didn't or have a piece of information that we didn't, uh, please go ahead and reach out to us on whatever app you're listening on this to or even uh, Anchor. You can do leave us a voice message um, because, you know, we really enjoy hearing out from you guys and, you know, really helps us keep motivated and keep doing work. Yeah, we really appreciate your support. Shout out to our boy, George Collins, who replied to our time travel episode that came out last week. Um, And he said if he could go back in time, if he could go in time anywhere, he'd go back in time and talk to himself in in high school. Uh, I thought it was a really cool concept. So we appreciate you, George. Uh, And that was from an anchor voice message. So feel free to send us one of those there. We're also on social at Off The Top Cast. If you're an old school type and you like to email, you can email us at theoffthetoppodcast at gmail.com. And like always, we appreciate you guys for listening and uh, until next time.